Hello, I'm Holly, and welcome to the podcast Spooky Saturday. My friend Kayla and I are here to question the suspicious, investigate the intriguing, and do our best to distinguish fact from fiction. Each episode, we dive headfirst into a topic of choice and find stories, evidence, history, and more to discuss and debate. Join us in earning some merit badges, Spooky Scouts. Now let's begin. Uh oh, Kayla's not in the right spot. Hold on, I don't know how that happened. Hold on, I'll try and fix it. It's a it's a struggle day. Okay, there we go. There, there, I fixed you. It is a struggle day. We're having a struggle. <laughs> welcome back. It's me. Yes, welcome everyone. How's everyone doing? Mel's gone. Thank you for subscribing as well. And those listening onto the podcast, Kayla got a haircut. Looks good. I did. Uh, Jack cut it under the direction of TK and actually did a pretty good job for never having cut anyone's hair before. Yeah. I was like, whatever, if he messed it up, I'll just shave my whole head. So I think it looks good. Here we are. I like it. Thank you. That's my uh, quarantine crisis. (laughs) It's fine. I don't want hair. I need to cut my own bangs. It's coming up. So wish me luck. Oh, yeah, you could do it. I, everybody, like, who has texted me and been like, I want to cut my own hair, I'm like, do it. Just do <laughs> it, coward. I've done, it <laughs> I've done it. I, The problem was is that I, for a long time in my youth, I was not a coward, and I sure made some mistakes. <laughs> so it's with great power comes great responsibility is all I'm yeah. saying. Well, you know, that's why hats exist is my opinion. Yeah. Or shaving your whole head. It's awesome. Um, but yeah, well, welcome to episode 11 of Spooky Saturday, where we're talking about dragons. 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 It was, I, like, it was a weird, I went on a weird journey, and I feel like you did too. Um, As far as current events go, um, I saw that, I don't know if it was necessary, back back to our good good friend at QAnon. Oh my god. (laughs) I saw that people were protesting in the streets uh, about the lockdown, saying that the coronavirus was a hoax. And oh, uh, what? I, they're part of that whole like group. They're part of that whole like conspiracy group thinking that it's the deep state who is controlling the government telling us that all of this isn't real. Didn't Trump tweet in support of these people? Yes. So yeah. is he saying that yeah. it's a hoax? I mean, he said it was a hoax originally. I mean, he doesn't now, but like it's it's just I just find it very confusing thinking that the deep state is taking over things. And yet the president is tweeting about it. I'm like, wouldn't he know if there was? A- <sighs> uh, anyway, that's the update on that. So those people are going to get the Rona for not following the rules. Please, please stay home. <laughs> please follow the rules. Yeah, please stay follow home. The rules. Wear a mask. Yeah, none of them had masks on either. And I was like, well, all right. It's very bizarre. Yeah, I mean, even, yes, that's true. If even following the rules, you can get it, Mel Skunk. I hope you get better soon. I'm sorry that you got the Rona. I hope you get better. Yes, everyone needs to be careful. And what's ridiculous, I see all these people saying like it's the deep state and protesting and stuff, and they'll probably be fine. And the problem is they're going to give it to someone who's like compromised, and then they're going to die. And then they're just going to go home and be like, it was the deep state. And there's like a million dead people because they were being dumb. Ugh. So. The only thing current event I know related to all of this is a hot tip that was given to me last night, which is if you're immunocompromised, such as me... You can, a lot of grocery stores, including Costco, are doing where, like, the first hour of the day is for people who are immunocompromised or their caretakers. 
So you may want to call and see if that's an option if you're trying to be careful. I thought those were really nice, and I didn't know that was a thing until last night. Yeah, they do that for most people so that you don't have to be, like, around anyone. Or, like, they do that for, like, older people and anyone that has medical, underlying medical problems. But it's usually at, like, 7 in the morning, which I'm like, that's not very nice. <laughs> yeah. I was told it was, like, 5.30 in the morning. I was like, oh, geez. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> I guess I'll starve. <laughs> Whatever. And, like, all the old people are like, I'm already awake then. And I'm just like, how it's... do you do that? Do you get some superpower <laughs> as soon as you hit, like, 55 that you can just, like, suddenly, like, maybe probably older than that, like, 65. You can wake up and like, 4 yeah. in the morning. It's called going to bed at 6 p.m. At 6 p.m.? <laughs> This is definitely what it is. Having dinner, having your dinner at four, going to bed at six. But yeah, I'm just like, I don't know. How many weeks is this into the quarantine? Like, is it, it's like, it's been a um, while. I think this is week five for me, but I think it's longer for you. Like, it started later for me. Yeah, it might be like week six. I don't know. I'm just like, like, where, where am I? Who am I? What? <laughs> it's like, oh, for sure. I just like, feel like I'm just, I'm watching things like, it's like I I went, there's a little store down the street that does a really good job of keeping it clean. They're a little like um, liquor store slash snack store. And they have like a bunch of different types of beers and stuff like that. And I can walk there. And um, they usually have like a tap and like an outside area, but they don't because of the quarantine. But they started stocking like way more alcohol because people have been buying alcohol a lot. And they give you gloves at the door. So like you wear a mask, you go in, like they actually give you gloves. It's like very... It's, like, very nice. I don't mind going there, like, like once a week because it's, like, okay, like, they're taking good care of their stuff. But I went there and I bought a liter of rosé because <laughs> nice. they just had, like, five, like, just a bunch of wine. I was, like, whatever. I'm just going to buy some wine. And, like, I know the guy, like, the bartender's there and, like, he's, like, checking me out and he's, like, liter of rosé, huh? And I'm, like, listen. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm, like, listen, dude. Like, it's been, like... It's been a while. Like it's 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 a quarantine. It's a pandemic. Like I understand that I usually have better taste in alcohol, but just I'm having Animal Crossing brunch tomorrow. Just give this to me. <laughs> <laughs> so that was that was my that's my sad story is buying a liter of rosé. So no, I don't so think that's sad. I think that's living your best life, honestly. Like I feel like we've shed all semblance of human shame at this point. <laughs> Like, I've attended every work Zoom meeting without makeup and in sweatpants because yeah. I'm like, I don't care anymore. Like, yeah, I yeah. can't. Also, I like that sweater you have on today, too. Can't that's a good sweater. Thank you. It's a good color. I got it at Target back when I could go to Target. Oh. Re- remember oh, when? I remember Target. <laughs> Long for Target. Oh, the best. But yeah, so that's my story. Do you have any sad quarantine stories? Just that I did, I literally was just like, I don't want hair anymore. (laughs) I was going to shave my entire head, but I did half. Might still shave all of it. Let me know what you think, chat. Don't know. I like it like that. Yeah. I think I could style this a couple different ways, so I might try that for a while. Yeah. Other than that, I really don't have any... The only way that I know what day it is is because Isabel tells me an Animal Crossing every morning. Yeah. So I guess that's pretty sad. Like, I get up and I'm like, Isabel, please tell me that's what real. day is it. <laughs> that's real, She's though. very helpful. She is helpful. I get up every morning and I get on Animal Crossing so I can check what's in my store and before work and with my coffee. And Isabel tells me what day it is. And I'm like, thank you. Keep oh, me boy. on track. Well, yeah, we're on track. Um, yeah, I have to check the turnip prices when I get up. That's important. 
you know? I'm so bad at the nips. Like, like I try, yeah. I, I don't even buy them because I'm just like, <laughs> I don't know, I just want clothes, which is me in real life. Now I'm just like shopping in Animal Crossing instead. Yeah, I know. I, I like, one day I got so anxious from the turnips, I just sold them for less than I bought them because I was just like, I'm scared. <laughs> just, <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, but yeah, we have a fun-filled show for you today, uh, spooky, spooky Scouts. We uh, did some research on dragons, and I've, of course, got our quick little Cliff Notes version of the history of dragons, which um, went about as, as much as, just about it as I as I, I predicted, I know it's it was kind of like the sense of like the werewolves is like what bizarre like thing caused this. There's a couple of theories and people actually get pretty heated over it, which I think is really interesting. Hmm. Like like people like are arguing on whether or not because this was one of those instances like werewolves where it was like a collective consciousness sort of thing. They appeared in Asia, North America, South America, like everywhere. So but since we started with the academic stuff last time, why don't we start with your stuff? This time. <laughs> oh, if we would like to. We oh, I want can. to. I would like to. I did the thing again where I opened like 10 tabs and only <laughs> looked at them and started grimacing and then was like, I'll wait. Okay. So. I'm ready. We're going to experience it together. Some of it was pretty interesting, actually. We can start. We can start with how do you find a real dragon egg or we can start with some stories about real dragons. Okay. Well, let's start with the egg. I feel like that's important. I want to know where I can find a real dragon egg. Okay, well, it's a very long article, so we're just going to skim it because uh, someone, it's on Quora.com. Yes. Someone someone queried yes. on Quora. We have some information on how to find a yeah. real dragon egg. Yes. So. Fact this or is fiction. from Anonymous. Oh, yeah, of course fact or fiction. You can't be giving out your name if you know where the dragon eggs are. It's, cr- this is crucial, critical okay. information. You can't, you can't let the general public know your name. Yeah. So. This was uh, from 2018, so fairly recent. Okay. So Anonymous says, lucky for you, I found this question. Not only am I going to tell you where to find dragon eggs, but also show you what the egg looks like. Yes. Damn. Dragon eggs. The eggs of the actual mythical creatures. I know it sounds ridiculous, but maybe this will change your mind. And then uh, there's an image that is clearly one of those those seed pods you see on the beach, like the devil's purses. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like the, uh, if you don't know what they are, they're like these like little hollow black little um, keratin things that you can get on the beach. I can't remember what's in them. It's like seed pods, right? Aren't those, aren't those stingray eggs? Are they? I always, I I was always told they're called devil's purses. I don't know. I thought they were stingray eggs. Like if you look up stingray eggs, see if it's devil's purse. Okay. Yes. Tell me what it is. Yeah, it's a stingray egg. Oh, okay, so it's an, yeah, it actually says egg case of some sharks, skates, and chim- chimeras. Okay, yeah. I never opened, I used to find them as a kid, but I never opened them up. Yeah, so it's like a twisted looking devil's purse, basically, yeah. and, and the guy the guy says, yes, that is a genuine dragon No, it's egg. not. It's a stingray <laughs> egg. I just Googled it. <laughs> there are actually lots of dragon eggs around the world. Well, maybe not that many. The dragon population on Earth that do not take human form are like in the tens of thousands. So many uh, or few, glass half full, glass half empty. That one is one of the rare ones. Species is estimated between the hundreds and thousands. These live in the remote areas of the deserts of Texas. What? The west side of USA and Australia. Their numbers are in between the hundreds and the thousands. So, oh, wait, that many dragons? Well, of this specific species, oh. I think is what they're trying to say. 
Now, you might be wondering how I know these things. I'm actually part of an elite group of people who are dedicated to dealing with relations between humans and dragons. Not even the government knows about us. We have always been considering what are the best ways to bring humans and dragons together. I have been granted permission to talk about these things here and now. Okay. Um, and then he shows photos of him holding eggs that he made out of Sculpey. Um, what? <laughs> that's what they look like. Oh, my God. <laughs> if I were to describe them to you. And then he starts talking about the different species of eggs okay. that he has. He's got one that looks like a little uh, little plant that is apparently another dragon species. A lot are from America. Okay. Question mark. That's weird. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I don't know why most dragons are American, but sure. 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 Okay. So he shows you a bunch of different options. Um, and apparently that's all he wanted to do. And he says, I'm of course not telling you this is saying people are going to go looking for dragons. It would just mean loss of even experienced people. But this is for the people of the world to know more about dragons. The world is becoming more accepting of dragons. Hopefully it won't be too long before dragons and humans can live together in peace. Right? <laughs> I mean... <laughs> well, we have more answers here. That was just the first answer. Okay. It was very okay. lengthy. Okay. We have another answer from Thanatos Voragon. That sounds believable. <laughs> He seems like he knows what he's talking yeah, about. Yeah, that sounds legit. I'm ready. How can you get a dragon egg? You can get one from a dragon orphanage. Dragons give their children to dragon lovers when it is too dangerous to be around their parents, or they have some business to get to which they might never come back from. Do not steal a dragon's egg, as the dragon knights will make sure you pay for the crime. Who? Yes. Killing, assaulting, <laughs> and or enslaving dragons Oops. is just as illegal <gasps> as when you murder or abduct a human. I mean, no, okay. Yeah. I mean, I, you shouldn't kill anyone. That's true. It's it's equally as legal as killing a person if right. you kill a dragon. You have to go to the dragon orphanage yeah, who, where dragons give up their babies to their human who runs, lovers. Who runs the, yeah, who runs the dragon orphanage, orphanage? Is it, like, the dragon, like, tax collectors? The dragon, like, you know? Well, the government doesn't even know about the dragons, oh, okay. according to the first person. Interesting. Well, yet they man maintain these dragon orphanages. All right. Yes. So this answer comes from Denny Santoso, comma, I took an express class of studying dragons in university. Oh my god, Melskuk said the deep state <laughs> runs the dragon orphanage. <laughs> <laughs> That's what they exist for. Yeah. The to, How to find a dragon egg. The secret to find one is faith. The journey would be long and seems like an endless one and people would laugh at you. They will. And mock you as senile. You probably are. Now, what we know about dragons, they breathe fire. So you need to find a lion. <laughs> uh, what? And you need to find a, a certain, uh, someone. Oh, and then he starts diving into mythology. So that's fine. I mean, get, finding a lion is going to be just as hard as like finding yourself a dragon. That's <laughs> like, true. Where, where are you going to get a lion? Wow. Oh my gosh. Some people say you need to go to China. Cindy Crawford <laughs> says you need to go <laughs> to Indonesia. Cindy Crawford? <laughs> yeah. Wow. She knows. She knows. She says you need to go to Indonesia, where the dragons live. Um, and then you need to find the nest. The mother may attack you. And if you're lucky enough to find a nest, look around to see if the mother is nearby. And I'm like, Cindy, do you think that we're talking Komodo dragons here? Because we're talking about real, real dragons, yeah. Cindy Crawford. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, what's happening here? Yeah, this is just Quora. <laughs> I don't have to tell you. Wow. Well, I'm glad that I'm glad that there's so many self-proclaimed experts on the finding of dragons. 
Yeah, it's very specific. My favorite is the guy who says they he's part of a group that exists outside of the government. Yes, the, the, the deep how, state. Yeah, the, the deep, deep state. The deep dragon state. Well, I ended up finding, I, I ended up kind of on a, several different web pages. And the next one that I went to was a forum, my favorite place okay. on the internet, unexplained-mysteries.com. <laughs> and this uh, forum post. Okay. Is called Dragons Are Real! Exclamation point by Draconic Investigator. Sounds legit. This was actually well formatted and has references to other crazy websites. Okay. <laughs> but it's it's pretty great. Uh, Draconic Investigator says, A lot of people don't know that gorillas and giant squids were mythical and their existence was scoffed at until scientists discovered them in the 1900s. But when people talk about dragons, both the winged dragons and the giant Japanese water dragon type, they say they're mythical and fictional. Why is that? There's also a case where th- then he just well actually then he just starts jumping into like real real cases. So um, didn't write this very well, but he says there's a case where there was a boy that was two miles out to sea with friends, then was later found on the beach alone. When he got back and woke up, he told authorities a giant dragon with a twelve foot tall neck had killed them one by one. And that was in 1962, and I can read the story about that because they linked to it. But uh, Draconic Investigator queries, if dragons aren't real, then what happened? Well, there's news archives and death records that prove those four teenagers really did die that day. Oh, my God. So let's let's look at this story. We're going to dive dive a little deeper into this 1962 death of some teenagers. So death by sea serpent. Uh, written by Matt Bill. So I guess this is the article or a little story of it. In the modern history of sea serpents, we have only one report of involving human fatalities. This story appeared in the May 1965 issue of Fate magazine, which I've never heard of. Have you ever heard of that? Mm-mm. It sounds like it would be interesting. I feel like I want to Google it. In a first-person account... Edward Brian McCleary claimed to have had a terrifying experience on March 24th, 1962, off Pensacola, Florida. Of course. McCleary and four friends paddled a life raft out to dive on a wrecked ship. A sudden storm came up, forcing them away from land. At night, a fog closed in on them. In the fog, they hear something moving, and then they saw what looked momentarily like, quote-unquote, a telephone pole about 10 feet high with a bulb on top in the fog. The object was, however, a plesiosaur-like animal. More specifically, the neck was about 12 feet long, brownish-green and smooth-looking. The head was like that of a sea turtle, except more elongated with teeth. There appeared to be what looked like a dorsal fin when it dove for the last time. And as best as I am able to recall, the eyes were green with oval pupils. This creature proceeded to kill McCleary's companions one by one. McCleary alone managed to make it to a protruding mask, mast of the wreck they were diving, which was the USS Massachusetts, where he clung until daylight. Some facts have been verified. The Massachusetts sits today in only 26 feet of water in the Fort Pickens State Aquatic Preserve, with portions of the ship still protruding from the sea. McCleary still lives in Florida, though he apparently has not spoken on the subject of the attack since his article came out. He did report the deaths at the time, says the authorities and reporters told him to leave out the sea monster. (laughs) (laughs) One body was recovered. The man had died by drowning. What are we to make of this? If, as some crypto researchers, myself included, believe, 
there is at least one large unclassified marine creature behind sea serpent stories, then it would not be surprising if a specimen occasionally took a man in the water, even if humans were not normally its prey. It happens with sharks, as we all know. All we have as evidence is McCleary's account. We know one man was drowned, not eaten, and the same may be true for the others. The case stands or falls on whether McCleary is truthful. Hmm. So. Interesting. I found that interesting. Yeah. Like, the... I, I choose to believe that he did see some kind of creature, and I guess if I guess a sea creature like like something like Nessie would be considered a dragon, probably. Yeah, technically. Te- technicality, I think. Interesting. Uh my favorite is the one guy was had definitely drowned. I'm like, okay, so yeah. maybe all of them did. <laughs> Someone said he was a Florida man. <laughs> He's, yeah, he was in Florida. I was like, oh boy. It's amazing. I mean, it sounds like he definitely saw something. Uh, from mm-hmm. reading a lot of the articles that I read about dragons, like the stuff that we're going to talk about, the history stuff. I mean, one of one of the things that they said could have been um, misinterpreted as dragon bones were whale bones. Oh, which, that's interesting. That makes a lot of sense because the whale whales' heads are huge and weird looking. Like their bones look like some kind of like almost like they have like an a reptile jaw. Like, they don't mm-hmm. look like they have, like, a normal... So if you found, like, what is the... I think it's, like, a sperm whale. The ones that have the pointy teeth would even look more bizarre. Yeah, because their heads are kind of, like, yeah, long and curved, right? Like, their skulls are, like, curved. Even the ones that have baleen, like, almost look like... Like, if you look at their skulls, it's like, whoa, these are weird looking. If you'd Google whale skull, they, like, look like dragon skulls. So if you found that on the beach, you'd be like, I don't know what this is, but it's probably some weird monster. Yeah. That's very true. Well, I don't know how then, Holly, you explain the next story. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Dragon with four legs and a pair of wings snatches Traveler. I'm I'm ready. There is another similar account of dragon-related fatalities, this time in the late 1800s, about how a winged dragon with four legs snatched one of the Traveler's. The travelers said they tried to place the dragon's head over a fire to get it to release the traveler, but instead it flew up with the traveler still in its mouth and dove into Lake Chelan, where it wasn't seen again. Whoa. So we can we can dive a little deeper here. I have another article that follows up deeper on this as well. Let's see. So that sounds like they they were snatched by something. They were snatched. Um, the Lake Chelan dragon... I think it's Chelan. It's C-H-E-L-A-N. Okay. Northern Washington. So it's in Washington. Lake Chelan is 55 miles long and said to be 1,486 feet deep. It's located in Chelan County, Northern Washington. There have been many claims over the years of underwater caverns in the lake. No, that the lake no, is not caves. To other- <laughs> no. <laughs> other area lakes. And some even think there is an underwater connection to the Pacific. A lake of this size has an abundant fish population that could easily sustain such a large animal. The Lake Chelan dragon is thought to be related to the Loch Ness monster, who is believed to be a female. Okay. The dragon is believed to be the male. Oh, the dragon is the male and has the ability to fly. So the females of the species, I guess they're saying, are like the Loch Ness monster and the males have wings. Interesting. Interesting proposal. I'm intrigued. I found a good picture. Hold on. I'm going to link you guys' this picture of this this orca skeleton. Keep t- You can keep talking. Just Ooh, it okay. like looks like it could, like, if you found that, you'd be like, that's just like a dragon. It just looks like, a, like sure. a, it looks like the shape of a medieval dragon. Like, absolutely. 
Well, the ability to fly. Local natives to the area have a long-running history with encounters with the dragon. According to one legend, Native Americans discovered a devil living in its depths and tried to kill the beast by damming the lake, but it survived. The creature resurfaced in 1892. According to a local newspaper, an unidentified young man was bathing in the lake when some very sharp jaws locked onto his legs. Oh no. The man screamed for help, and two of his friends tried to pull him out. But the hungry monster had other plans. After a life and death game of tug of war, <laughs> that sounds like a terrible Yeah, idea. that does. Uh, <laughs> the men dragged their friend onto the beach, with the creature still clamped onto his legs. The thing had the legs and body of an alligator, the head and the eyes of a snake, a scaly tail, and bat wings. And though its skin was, quote unquote, soft as velvet, the beast was impossible to kill. What? The men attacked the monster with knives, rocks, and sticks to no avail. The creature was not letting go. Eventually, they built a fire and dragged the dragon over the flames. That got a reaction, a bad one. The dragon flapped its wings and soared into the air, with the man still in its mouth. Suddenly, it dived into the lake, disappearing along with its victims. Uh, many prominent locals have made claims to having seen the Lake Chillin' Dragon throughout the lake recently. I feel There's like- There's also a pirate? <laughs> <laughs> what? I don't know, it says the pirate legend. There's Oh, there's a pirate, too? Yeah, I don't know. It says, 200 years ago, a Scotsman born in Fort Augustus took a treasure chest from the fort where his father was a soldier, and it was assumed that the chest was filled with gold and other riches, and set out to sea on a long journey. However, its true contents were discovered by the captain and crew during a mysterious and violent storm off the coast of Washington in 1812. Somehow, the ship was transported to what it is now known as Lake Chellin. The ship, under great stress, was tossed violently in the storm, and the chest and its contents were washed overboard into the water below. The captain, not wanting to lose his mysterious prize, dove into the water after it. He held onto the treasure chest and took him, and it took him quickly down to the crushing depths of the nearly 1,500-foot-deep no. lake. Unbeknownst to the crew, two female stowaways were on board who kept watchful eyes on the chest, stewards to its precious contents. They, too, jumped in after the chest. And as they hit the water, the crew watched with disbelief, as it appeared that their feet transformed into fish-like fins as they breached, then dove into the angry water. Mermaids! One went after the chest, the other after the captain. The captain was taken to the shore, and the chest was taken deep, deep down into an underwater cavern, where its contents, an egg, cracked open and a hatchling emerged. Whoa. That's kind of a dope story, though. That is actually. a cool story. <laughs> one of these days we need to do a mermaid episode because uh hulu keeps recommending me this documentary that says mermaids the new evidence and i'm like okay <gasps> Ooh, that sounds good we should do that next yeah i'm like all right Merms. anyway there, if you look on the screen i put the orca skeleton up there and you can see how oh, it just, wow it looks like a dragon right yeah like it's it's if you didn't know like that that was its weird like head nose for a whale like you you would you would be pretty weirded out by that skull and the body. It's giving up like spine, like fins. Yeah, like if you had no, if you had never seen one at all, yeah. Too like if you had never seen something that big, like what else would you think it was? Yeah, you wouldn't know. Like it's and it, it a lot. The interesting thing too is that like I found one, but it won't show up for some reason. But like their fins almost look wing like. They're like big, like they would have wings on them because they're fin. They have fingers. Oh yeah, because they're like yeah, they're like long fingers. Yeah. like bat. They have like fingers, kind of, in, right? Yeah, so they have like fingers inside, but then they don't have any back legs. So it looks like they're almost like some kind of flying serpent. So 
If you look up more orca skeletons, there's just they're really interesting to look at because they all look like kind of bizarre like that. So that would make sense that someone would find that and be like, "That's a dragon." Like I, if if you'd never seen an orca or a whale or even knew what whales looked like, I like that. That's that's a good theory. But Holly, how do you describe <laughs> the dragon sighting by Bill and Bob Clark? Yes, please. Who saw a 150 foot long reptilian sea dragon enter San Francisco Bay. Whoa. They even have their own website. Oh my God. Yes, let's see. Um, I'm going to follow up on this story more in depth by visiting skepticforum.com. So let's see. Sea serpents in San Francisco Bay. We, Bill and Bob Clark, have had several sightings of sea serpents in San Francisco Bay since 1985. On February 5th, 1985, we saw a sea serpent breach itself only 20 yards from where we were parked in our car, and we saw the entire animal except the tail. On January 26, 2004, we took a three-and-a-half-minute video, which we claim contains images of several sea serpents swimming in San Francisco Bay. Several? Two independent, yeah, several. We had two independent analyses of the video done. One was done by BSM Associates, expert image analyst Clifford Piva, and physicist Dr. Harold Slusher. And the second was done by marine biologist Bruce Champagne. Both analyses concluded that our video contains images of several large unknown serpentine marine animals swimming in San Francisco Bay. We invite all skeptics to provide us with the expert of their choice, who is willing to do an in-depth analysis of our video, and we will send them a free copy. <gasps> we only request that they agree to not post any portion of the video on the internet <laughs> or anywhere else without our permission. And if the conclusion of their analysis disagrees with the Piva slash Slusher analysis and the Champagne analysis, that they provide us with their supporting documentation, we can be reached at our email address, sfcserpent at accessforless.net. Access for less. <laughs> Oh, boy. You know it's like bad news when they're like, yeah, so don't post this video anywhere. We'll send you a free beta tape yeah, of this. <laughs> like, you know, it's like, okay, guys, like, all right, take a step back. Amazing. I I love this one. But to Holly, how do you explain that? If it's 150 feet long, it can't be an orca. Yeah. I, I mean, I can't. It's unexplainable. That doesn't, that sounds like it's clearly a sea serpent and nothing else. <laughs> And then people proceed to argue with them in the comments about how they won't share the video publicly. (laughs) Yeah. And then people um, look up their website and argue with them about their credentials of the people, the experts that they had look at this. Um, But if you do go to home.accessforless.net slash tilde SFC serpen. I don't know if that's the full URL. It's, uh, oh. Tilde SFC serpent slash ID7.html, you will see photos and drawings of the San Francisco sea serpent. Okay. And it's really not that thrilling, or I would link you in the chat. Um, It's just water with little things sticking out of it, and you can't really tell what it looks like. But, you know, it's like looking at photos of the Loch Ness Monster. That's fair. Like, like, this looks just like a worm and, like, a photo of a worm. What? (laughs) Like, <laughs> what? It's real. It could be like an it's eel. It could be like, like someone in chat said it could be like an oarfish. Like there's. Oh, man. Oarfish scare me. I caught one in Animal Crossing and I literally screamed and then Jack laughed at me because it was very big and scary. 
yeah. So uh, debunk that one because yeah. I'm not not seeing an excuse for 150 foot long sea serpent. No, I'm not. They're in the San Francisco Bay. Okay, that thing's like polluted. They'd be dead. <laughs> They'd be so dead. Yeah, they'd be dead. I feel like the the other things that I pulled up were was just a someone saying personally. I think that dragons did exist at one time, but are now extinct. That or extremely well hidden. What with man taking over to the world and such, there aren't many places left to hide. Not even in Antarctica. <laughs> Says Glenwing on a fandom forum about dragons. There, yes, that's cl- cl- clearly real. Uh, and then I started getting into uh, like people talking about summoning dragons and like black magic and stuff, I think is kind of where they were going with it. Right. Because I went to this forum, which is forum.becomealivinggod.com. <laughs> this is where I, I ventured How do you next. Fuck- <laughs> no! I'm telling you, this is this is my my shtick. I know where to go. Are dragons real? Ask Dagar. Okay. Are dragons real? Mm-hmm. And if not, can we create some? And the storm responds, oh, yes, they are. Look into beings like Tiamat or Leviathan from the Draconian Current or the Mergzergeron Cabal's Tower of Stars. And Dagar responds, are they physical, like in our plane? And the storm responds, well, if you were to open a black gate, I suppose, that's a reference to a rite in the Black Scriptures BTW. Okay, I, that's not real. That's not a thing. <laughs> I know this because I literally went through, I went through all of my manuscripts and books and things like that, looking for dragon, like on like all my legit like medieval neck like Ooh. like necromancy manuals. Nothing. There was nothing. I couldn't find anything. I'm just saying this. Uh, this the storm says otherwise. <laughs> okay. Okay. And then Saba Snowblood says, "Haha." In all seriousness. Dragons are real, and from my UPG, what does that stand for? I'm too old. They are the creators of the Earth itself. Tiamat is said to literally become the Earth and sea after she was defeated by Marduk and cut into pieces. She's still alive, and we live in her like the mites live in your hair and face, or the bacteria live in your gut. She's just not as active and lives longer than we do. (laughs) Rise or Die responds, that is 100% something that would come out of Louisville. LMAO, everyone there is drunk or high off their what? ass most oh, of the no. time. Now they're arguing. <laughs> yeah, they're like uh, arguing with each other. Whew. Oh, well, Old Ways throws in a curveball here in response. There has recently been found in the Gobi Desert a giant dinosaur skeleton with a 36-foot wingspan, making it the largest winged reptile we know of. 70 million years ago it lived, they say. If it is to believed, then that comes pl- pretty close, amigo, winky face. <laughs> aggressive people on these forums (laughs) oh my god Uh, so there's a lot that people continue to argue as to if they are real or not and if they are real or not if they exist on the physical plane or like in an astral plane or in the spiritual plane because Zamiel argues that they all exist on the spiritual plane now but they once ruled the earth they are the original self-aware flesh and blood creatures you know they they argue a lot about this (laughs) They sure do. Ooh, and then I went to... Where did I end up? What is this? It's like trying to open it within a Google page. I hate it when it does that. That's not the URL. It says Wattpad.com, 
but this is a pet dragon spell. Throw it on me. I'm ready. I, I, we got to go to the next one because the the rest of it just devolved into arguments, and okay. I don't know what to tell. I don't know what to tell <laughs> okay. them. Okay. Pet dragon spell by Snake zero four three nine eight. Uh, so what you need? This is a, allegedly mm-hmm. a spell by someone on the internet okay. who says to get your own pet dragon. All right. I I want one. I know. Well, you just need okay. paper, a pencil or a pen, a ruler that needs to be twelve inches or a tape measure. Okay. Believe in dragons. Hmm. Colored pencils or crayons. <laughs> read the following before you get started. I feel like this is really long, so I'm going to read a little bit and then skim. Yeah. Draw what your dragon will look like. Color your dragon in, according to its element. Draw yourself next to the dragon so you can have a, a size scale. Mm-hmm. Color yourself, which is optional. <laughs> Make lines to the top of your body according to your height, so that way... I guess whoever, whatever entity is creating the dragon for you knows the accurate scale to which you are putting yourself next to the dragon. Then you draw your dragon's height and determine its height specifically. And then you fold the paper hamburger style. So you hamburger can't see your drawing. <laughs> fold it only once. Now, write its info with a pencil on either side, which would be its name, scale, color, wings, tail, accessories... Strength, behavior, abilities, element, dragon breed, eyes, what it eats, etc. Um, fold paper hamburger style again, so you can't see the words. Uh, now write this and say it as you write it aloud. Dragon of mine, come to me, by egg of its element. I summon the newborn mythical creature, so mote it be. Right, yeah, of course. <sighs> um, now fold it hamburger style. <laughs> see, what? See Who the- taught them that? So you can't see the words. Make a pentagram on one side. Fold it once more. Now every night for three nights before you sleep, chant God slash goddesses. Grant my dream dragon in the real world from egg to end. Then chant element dragon of mine. Come to me by egg of element. I summon the newborn mythical creature. So mote it be. Uh, Kiss the paper after you chant and put it under your pillow. Yeah, we could we could make this like Terry Pratchett where dragons exist if people believe they exist. I mean, that goes with any everything. Mm-hmm. And uh, I saw some folks in the chat talking about history stuff. We're gonna get there. Like we've we're get we're doing the fun, silly stuff first, then we'll get to the history stuff. Yeah, I'm doing the real stuff first, chat. Yeah, okay. yeah. modern dragons, current dragons. Just uh, get with it. I think that okay. might be my last resource. I mean, that sounds like a real spell for some sort of dragon manifestation. And if it makes you happy, then, you know, just just do it. I don't know what folding it hamburger style means. I've never heard that before, but that's a new... I think it's when you fold it in half so it's more like hamburger shape. Because if you fold it in half the other way, that's hot dog style. Where it's like narrow and it looks like a hot dog. That's what I remember from hot dog versus hamburger (laughs) style. Okay, I get it now. All right. Okay. Great. I get it. Hamburger versus... Now we've all learned something today. Yes, you're welcome. It's important to know the difference when casting your spells, to know the difference between hamburger and hot dog style. No, I, I don't remember that. Like, I don't, I don't remember that. <laughs> <laughs> it, I, yeah, I don't remember. But anyway, uh, yeah, that's great. I know there's like a lot of, uh, like, there's a lot of dragon role-playing forums out there. There's a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of um association with dragons whether it be like spiritual or physical connections people people love connecting with dragons and you know if it makes you happy do it do it yeah 
Live your bliss is my yeah. opinion. There's actually, speaking of like a good segue, there was really fascinating and like really very sweet video that my friend showed me because I, I told him that we were doing this dragon when he showed it to me. But it was, it's kind of, it's like, it's definitely sad. There's a lot of triggering things in it. So like, don't, and I'll put it in the show notes of the podcast, but don't watch it if you're like, if you don't want to hear anything like sad or triggering about this person's past, but more or less they call themselves the dragon lady. Um, and she's gotten, she's like, do you remember like there was that lizard guy and then there's like the cat person, like there's people that get a bunch of body modification to oh, look yeah, like, yeah. so she looks like a dragon. Like she actually had her ears removed. And, like, her nose, like, t- taped up. It's wild. Um, so I'll link it in the chat, and you can watch the video. But it, it pretty much talks about how, like, her, like, journey transforming into this, like, dragon because she thinks that people were such assholes. And it's just kind of... Aww. Yeah, and it's really sad, and it's, like, also... But it's also kind of, like, fascinating and, I guess, like, liberating in its own way. And, um, I don't know. It's just, like, it's a really well-produced little, like, short 10-minute documentary, so... Um, that's, that's our connection to people and dragon hybrids in the modern day, in the modern day. But it also has to do a lot with like how she's coping with trauma, which is the sad part. So it talks about lots of like traumatic things, but at the same time, I found it really interesting. So that's, that's the segue between these like people talking about finding dragon eggs, which are just stingray eggs in the modern day. (laughs) A person who really sees themselves as a hybrid dragon as or and mostly just dragon, I think she's how she sees her. She sees herself, and uh, now we're gonna go to history. But but yeah, you guys can watch that on your own. I was gonna show the whole thing because it's just so good, but I figured you could just watch it on your own. It's fine. But anyway, so there's that lovely little short documentary, and more or less, I did some research trying to find where the origin of dragons come from, and it turns out that the earliest um. The, like, the earliest mentioning was actually in Asia. It wasn't in the West. It was, it had to, and it had to do with, um, just one of their, like, local legends. And I have to, I, like, I have a million tabs open, too, when I do this shit. And it's just like, where'd it go? Oh, yeah. I had, like, all those open. I do want to, like, I want to hear all of your legitimate historical theories for dragons. And then if one isn't the one that I am excited about, I, ha- I want to bring that up so we can talk about it. Okay. Yeah. So, so Mesopotamia had uh, dragons early on. Dragons are actually mentioned in the Epic of Gilgamesh. Um, so Enkidu and Gilgamesh go to slay Humbaba, which is described as having scales, snake-like skin, horns, a serpent's tail, and breathing fire. And this was 1800 BC, I believe. So that, I mean, that's Mesopotamia is where it's technically where they find where it started, but it was obviously called something different. So later on uh, in the Middle Ages. And in, like, Greek and Roman times, and also during biblical times, they started mentioning dragons as well. And it could have come originally from, from Mesopotamia, because obviously that's the seat of civilization, blah, blah, blah. There's the Latin word uh, draconum, which is mm. obviously means large serpent or sea serpent. And that's kind of where I felt like the main theory went, is that there's one book, and I'll link you guys this book, but there's one entire book, and it's very, like, heated. People get angry at each other. <laughs> like. Ooh, like the forum. Yeah, but like they're like academics like yelling at each other about about this because the book actually talks about how dragons came from an instinctual fear that like homo sapiens that humans have of snakes. Oh, interesting. Yeah. 
So it's like, and it's like, you know, the snake in the Bible, there's like serpents and like evil serpents were mentioned all through history. They were in Egypt, like they were like, literally, if you go through every culture, there was some sort of snake creature. And they think this, this scholar thinks that it came from literally came from our genetics is why that that dragons appeared on every continent, which I think is interesting. I think that's an interesting theory. You can read about like, yeah, Quetzalcoatl. Mm hmm. Um, the other ones, gosh, there's like so many. There's so like, there's just it's a, a, the Egyptian one is called um, uh, Apophis. If you know about Apophis, Apophis is just is a snake or a tomb or Apep. Uh, Jormungandr. Yep, yep. Jormungandr. Yeah, the Norse, the Norse snake. I mean, it's it's everywhere. So they think that because I mean, if and it also if you look at like giant pythons and stuff like that, like damn, those are big, <laughs> like. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm sorry, but, like, if you ran across, and especially when civilization wasn't as widespread, like, I can't even imagine how big the snakes would have been. Like, it would have been out of control. So, it, yeah. So, that's that was one theory. Um, the other theory is, of course, that it came from, again, really large animals and being found, finding their bones. So, dinosaurs, Nile crocodiles, goannas in Australia, because dragons are actually mentioned in Australia as well. From I believe from the Aboriginal cultures, things like there's still they also had serpent, uh, serpent creatures, whale bones. Like I said before, the whale bones are also like really weird looking and look like dragons. And uh, and then that final book, the it's called an instinct for dragons, which has to do with yeah. I mean, dinosaur bones straight up look like dragons, but like so do those whale bones. Like it, I mean, the, a lot of those still like if you cobbled that together, you wouldn't know what that was. Yeah, or if you ended up with, like, pieces of it. Yeah. Like... Exactly. Yeah, and yeah, and Komodo dragons are also... I mean, those are huge, too. Yeah, they are. Yeah, large cats, hawks. They're, they're a lot of instinctually, like, molded-together animals. And the Mesopotamian mythological one was a hybrid called Mushkushu. And it's a scaly animal with hind legs re- resembling the talons of an eagle, lion-like forelimbs, a long neck and tail, a horned head, a snake-like tongue, and a crest. So, and that's, I mean, this, that's super, super ancient. So that's back uh, 2100 BCE. So it's, again, a hybrid of all of these, like, instinctually scary predatory animals, more or less. But yeah, what I've always thought is interesting is um, the dragons in Chinese mythology have always been, like, nice. Like, they've been, like, yeah. like they're, like, like, spirits and helpful and cool. And, like, dragons in uh, European history are just, like, go... You know, we're just going to kill him. <laughs> like, it's just a bizarre juxtaposition of how that how that came to be. So remember, also, another whole funny thing for the inspiration of dragon myths is, uh, again, the bones. And I was in Poland. I was in Krakow. And in the cathedral in Krakow, I don't remember if I've told this story or not, but they have um, whale bones hanging from, or mammoth bones. I'm sorry, it's a mammoth bone hanging from iron like iron things in, on the top of the door of the church because they said that they were giant bones, the bones of a giant. And they oh. said that it, when the world ends, those giant bones are going to fall. Like if those fall, the world's going to end. And so no, there's another cathedral and this one's in a Walwell um, and it's called the Walwell Dragon or the Dragon of Walwell Hill. And it's another Polish cathedral, but this one is a whalebone they said came from a dragon. So I'll show you the picture here. Also, dragons appear in uh, Beowulf, which is one of the er- other earliest mm-hmm. examples of dragons. So this is this is how 
the drag the word dragon looks in Beowulf in Old English. Draken, if you can see that. Which is again like old oh. English is nearly illegible. So that's fun. <gasps> but it's so pretty. It is really pretty. That's because Tolkien used it as an exa- as a he caught that's how he made Elvish was old English. That's why. <laughs> he just used like old English and Middle English. And then this is the picture of the dragon bone hanging out the ch- of the church in Poland. And the, the one that I saw in person looked almost identical, but it was a definitely like a leg bone for a mammoth. So they thought it was human and they thought this was a dragon's like rib bone. And if, is it in every case when they do this, when they hang these, is it when they fall, the world's going to end? I don't know. That might have just been that one specific cathedral. Oh, okay. But the, the one that I went to, but this one, it says, oh... Yeah, he's a dragon of Polish folklore. His lair was a cave in the foot of Wawa Hill on the bank of the Vistula River. Wawa Hill is in, is in Krakow, which was then the capital of Poland. Oh, so this was in this was another another one. It says during the rule of Krakus by his son, blah blah blah. Now I don't think it says anything about the world ending on this one, but I guess there's multiple cathedrals with bones hanging out in front of them because I went to a different one. <laughs> That's pretty cool, yeah. actually. Let's see. Says, uh, the dragon is a symbol of the presence of the Avaris on Walla Hill in the second half of the sixth century, and the victims devoured by the beast symbolize the tribute pulled by them. Okay. Interesting. So yeah, it's like it's like a long line of myths that more or less come come from that. But it's pretty sick, right? Yeah, I'm kind of obsessed with the the if it falls the world's gonna yeah. end thing. Because like, can you imagine the day when it actually falls because i don't know it's old earthquake or yeah it's old and people just like lose their minds yeah that would be so scary like i i I feel like stuff of that like that is so interesting it's like a kind of creeping dread right a prophecy that is going to happen someday because this thing is gonna fall yeah and it looks like so cool like it's and it's clearly like some kind of weird like giant like a whale bone but like they're just like no it's a it's a dragon bone yeah, Wales has a very cool flag with dragon with a dragon on it. I thought that was really cool when I was I went to Wales and I was like, look at all these dragons. <laughs> look at all these dragons. Look at all these dragons. Ugh. Yeah, it's like the ravens in London, kind of. Yeah, it's a, it is a whale rib, rib, yeah. But there's that little, cool little old English word. I'm just going to leave it there because it's cool. I like it. It's kind of dragon. It looks, it just looks neat. Oh, they have a dragon on their flag and I can't remember the myth as to why they have it. It's because there was a white dragon and a red dragon. And I think the white dragon represented England and the red dragon represented Wales and they fought and the red dragon won and that was the Welsh flag. It's like something like that. Like, I remember the story, but I don't remember. It's been a while, but there's a very specific story as to why the red dragon is on the Welsh flag. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, it's like, and it's a very like intense story of dragon fights which is it's cool reminds me of the D movie with jeremy irons <laughs> <laughs> which is sick oh my sick yeah but yeah so that's that's most i mean that's most of the stuff i just kind of went and just did like random just random research on it i found another one of our good old jstor articles oh my goodness yay jstor yeah which is called the uh the schlagenbuch and the evolution of the dragon in the literature of natural history and um, it says, I can read a, a little paragraph if you'd like, because it's actually really yeah, interesting. I like this. Okay. Boop, boop, boop. <laughs> Saucefire said nothing reminds me of the D&D movie with Jeremy Irons because I have given myself amnesia. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> it's fine. Eh, let it live. Some, it's, 
I, whenever I think of movies like that, I'm always like, that's someone's favorite movie. Yeah. Like, you know it's it is. And then that's <laughs> like, no, it's not. That's Independence that's Day. True. It's true. Um, okay. Anyway. Uh, dragons, in the original sense of the word, are real animals. These iconic monsters of European folklore are the literary descendants of ordinary snakes that evolved through the centuries with much help from the discipline of natural history. Classical authors applied the term dragon, dragon, to large snakes such as Escapulian snakes and pythons. Over time, so many fabulous traits accrued in the description of these animals that by the Renaissance, dragon descriptions strained crudelity. An 18th century scientist dismissed dragons as mythical. Particularly important among dragon des- descriptions in the, liter- in the literature of natural history is that of Conrad Gessner in the snake volume of his animal encyclopedia, Historae Animalium. Published in 1587, it incorporates a more comprehensive review of dragon lore and literature than any previous work. This makes it an important reference for describing the conceptual evolution of the dragon from an ordinary snake into a fabulous monster. So I went and looked up this book and this dude and found out that this 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 guy was a Swedish guy who actually wait went and tried to study dragons. He was like the like actual like dra- draconologist of like that existed. <gasps> he like tried to go find dragons. This dude was like I'm going to find dragons and I have another little website I'm going to link. And there's a really fun, it's like, it's a really nicely well put together, like, scrolling website that must have been someone's, like, college project. I don't know. Oh, my gosh. But um, it's about jo- Johann Jacob Sch- Schautzer and his scientific quest for evidence of dragons. And I'll oh just gosh, read it. Oh, my gosh, this is a nice website. It is nice. I'll just read it. It's got good art. It's really cute. It says, in the early 1700s, this is this guy, the Swiss physician, physician and naturalist Johann Jacob Schautzer. Schautz, yeah, that's it. When searching for dragons in the Alps, sightings had been reported for centuries, and Schautzer, Schautzer, that's the weirdest name, Schautzer, I think that's what it is, was determined to either confirm or dispel the rumors. So pretty much this whole little story goes down about how he he wanted to go find a dragon. But the like, grossest, coolest thing is that in the 1500s, there was the city of Lucerne purchased this really gross thing that they said was a dragon egg. It says, according to legend, during the summer of 1420, a farmer named Stamfel... Stampfli saw a dragon fly toward Mount Pilatus. He fainted from the heat and stench, and when he awoke, he found a stone encased in coagulated blood. Ugh! Right? Isn't that nasty? Ew! He found this stone encased in coagulated blood. It says, by the early 1500s, the city of Lucerne had purchased the Drakenstein and confirmed that it had miraculous healing properties, validated its draconic providence. Uh, Schautzer called the stone the most remarkable of all the oddities of all museums. He studied both legends and first-hand witnesses' accounts of dragon sightings, compiling what he called a description of Swiss dragons by Canton, as they can be obtained from printed and handwritten testimonies and reports. When he heard of purported dragon remains, he examined the physical evidence, but everything he found appeared to be from recognizable animals like bears. Despite the unconfirmed sightings, he published these stories in his scientific treaty, the I- a Tenaria alpina, along with illustrations. While he could not corroborate the existence of dragons through physical evidence, he believed the people he interviewed to be trustworthy and considered their accounts to be vetted by virtue of their character. And then it says, uh, Towards the end of summer 1717, Joseph Scherer from Naples, Naples or whatever, came across an animal with a cat's head and protruding green eyes. It was a foot long and had a thick body and four feet. Two teat-like structures hung from its lower abdomen. 
It also had a tail whose length was a foot, and the entire creature was scaly and colorful. Sharer struck the animal with a pointed stick, and he claimed that it was soft and full of toxic blood, so that when a drop fell on his leg, it swelled. Ew. Yeah. Says, uh, and then Sha- Schautzer, as a naturalist, even created a taxonomy of dragons based on these accounts. One was a terrible black gray snake that was at least seven feet long and as thick as a shear of corn, with the head of a cat and feet missing completely. What's with the cat thing? I, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> But yeah, so he he pretty much was like determined that skeletons weren't, or I mean, uh, the dragons weren't real. But then eventually unearthed a uh, really weird, in 1725, two years after publishing his study on dragons, Schautzer unearthed a unique fossil. Since 1706, he had been mining a seemingly endless supply of fossilized fish from a quarry in the town of Onegin near Lake Constance. But this large limestone slag contained what appeared to be a head and a three foot long vertebrae skeleton. That's pretty long. Yeah. It was a giant salamander, more or less, what he found. Ooh. And he decided it was, like, from the Jesus flood or whatever. <laughs> and then, oh. and then uh, yeah, they ended up finding that it was a, uh, it was a, let's see, uh, the giant salamander was renamed the Salamander Schnauzeri, and in 1837, it was added to the newly created genus Andreas, a family of foul-smelling creatures with vicious teeth and rough mottled skin. Aw. So he was, like, a giant, nasty salamander. Aw. But, and, uh... He found the salamander after all, but he actually didn't even know it was a salamander. He thought it was, he thought it was a, like, some sort of weird, like, mutated person, but it was actually a very intense, like, salamander, so. Oh my gosh, is that what the episode of Voyager is based on, where we evolve past (laughs) humans and turn into salamanders? (laughs) (laughs) Ah. Yes. Oh my god. That's so funny. I hate that episode. Yeah, it's the worst, but I think about it routinely i feel yeah. like i'm just like man that episode um i want to find this the book that he wrote the like where'd it go the yeah the it itinerary alpina about dragons alpina or whatever that sounds yeah that sounds really cool i'm i'm very interested by why they so often had cat heads yeah and, but were also scaly like that just i don't know yeah that's i don't weird. know yeah, it's called... Maybe they didn't have anything else to, like, compare it to, and they were just like, it has lots of teeth, it's a cat. Yeah, it was, ca- it was called, of, like, Of Dragons and Geology is another article about it. But is this it? I just want to find a picture of the dragons. Oh, yeah, here's a guy. Yeah, here's the, here's the guy encountering the one with the cat head that he talked about. It's got, like, scales and a cat head. Here it is. This is what he said it looked like. That's, that looks legit, right? Waiting for it to show up. I'm very scared. <laughs> is it going to be like a goofy medieval I mean, illustration? Yeah. Oh, yep, yeah. it's a goofy yeah. illustration. <laughs> I mean, that's... Of a cat dragon. It's like, whoa, I'm a cat, but I'm a dragon. I don't know. Does he have a crown? I don't know. And abs. He's got sick yeah, abs. Yeah, he's working out. He's he's a jock villager. Ooh, he's a jock... <laughs> Sweatband? Yeah. Wow. But yeah, so there's a lot of... I don't know. I feel like looking at all this stuff, I feel like it comes from... Like, I really honestly feel like the whale bones and the dinosaur bones are, like, where it's coming from. But also, like, I feel like people could have run into any kind of, like, paranormal stuff. Which brings me to my final argument. Is it the one I'm hoping for? Of course it is. <laughs> and and my only source, which is this piece of trash. <laughs> uh, the episode of Ancient Aliens. <laughs> yes i was like we have to talk Where about this dragons are supposedly 
aliens. I be- I believe it. That's what I believe. That's there what it I is. choose to be- look at. Th- if you go to that article, it's just a man like, yep. look at yep. this. It says, and as the, as our the description of this episode, which I have not watched yet, but apparently it's about it's got dragons in it. Ancient cultures around the world tell stories of strange objects and witness flying in the sky. But are all these tales fiction, or might people living thousands of years ago actually have seen extraterrestrial crafts descending from the heavens? In the Hebrew Bible's book of Ezekiel, the prophets describe a fiery chariot containing wheels within wheels. I mean, I think that's a totally a UFO, but that's a whole oh, other yeah. conversation. Powered by angels, in the ancient Ethiopian text, King Solomon of Israel gave the Queen of Sheba a flying carpet and traveled on one himself through the Middle East. And Chinese mythology explains that the god Huangdi, Huangdi? Yeah. Emerged from the belly of a fire-breathing dragon to become China's first emperor. Oh, is that a UFO? A UFO, yeah, you gotta... Could these accounts of fiery chariots, flying carpets, and fire-breathing dragons really be descriptions of misunderstood technology involving mysterious crafts? I love this, because it's like, (laughs) I feel that way about stuff, all the, like, when they describe angels and stuff like that in the Bible, I'm like... Those 100% are aliens. Oh, and there's, I there's mean, no way. The whole like wheel, they all, burning wheels are like, is like a huge, a huge biblical iconography thing. And that's very, I mean, that sounds like UFO. Like, I'm sorry. Like, that's just straight up, yeah. Dragons, if people see dragons and they have, they don't, I mean, they're breathing they fire. What are they doing? They're in the sky. They're breathing yeah, like fire in the, the sky. sky. Yeah. I know. I know. And they're just like, it's a dragon, but it's. A UFO that's cylindrical Why do they breathe in shape fire? or something. I don't know. Because they're in the sky. The propulsion. <laughs> yeah. Yep. That is my favorite theory. I fully submit to that because I feel like anything that is before the time of modern technology, when they try and give it like a biblical origin or some kind of fantasy like reasoning, I'm like, it's 100% aliens and they have to rationalize it in some way because you you cannot yeah. possibly rationalize something that is from out of this world yeah. so you have to come up with another excuse yeah cold, cold drake familiar. there's a lot of mythology especially indian mythology that has a lot of floating flying flaming sphere things <laughs> there's a ton femme center thank you for pete yeah there's a lot a lot of interesting like what sounds like technology and if you have to think about these kinds of things it's like like you said like i mean they didn't have a way to describe these things. So, I mean, even if they, they, and it's like, it's why a lot of like babies that were born with birth defects were automatically demons or like some sort of creature and not human because they couldn't understand what they were seeing because they didn't have a scientific oh. reason for it. So same thing is like, oh, they couldn't understand that they were seeing, you know, I mean, if you showed, if you showed someone in the Middle Ages an iPhone, like who knows what they would say it was. Like, even then, they wouldn't have any way to describe it, except for, like, a moving painting, maybe? Well, and that's interesting, because I remember back when we talked about demonic possession, one of the big things in that one documentary I watched was people, even in modern times, uh, perceiving depression or suicidal tendencies or any sort of mental health problem as being a demon. Yeah. So it's even things like that. It's like, you instantly have to make those associations. Yeah. There's a lot of, like, connections there, I believe. Um, and I think it's totally possible that they could have seen a UFO or something. I think, I feel like the the dragons in Chinese mythology that are more serpent-like, there's actually been, like, UFO sightings of things and UFOs that look serpent-like, which I think is really interesting, too. So, mm-hmm. who knows? 
Poor snakes. Poor snakes get a bad rap. They're very sweet. They will not attack you. No, they won't. Please love snakes. They won't. And, like, rattlesnakes will only attack you if you, like, step on them. So just, like, yeah. just be careful. Just don't step Which on Which I'm going to... I'm going to attack you, too, if you step on yeah, me. Yeah, so, I I mean, no one wants to be stepped on. Yeah, snakes are just, like... They're just, like, uh... They're, like... They're, like, birds of prey. They're just, like, all I want to do is eat and sleep. <laughs> they're very cute. Yeah. Please no steppy. Please no step. Please no steppy. Yeah. So that's that's it. That's dragons. Like, what do you think? Do you think? I mean, I, th- I again, I feel like it could be a collective instinctual thing where we're all like, ah, I don't want to get killed by any of these animals. Maybe it could have been UFOs. I'm sorry, I'm yawning. It's like it's the first day. It's been cloudy in two weeks, and I just like need. It's like the nappiest weather. Like I just want to nap mm. forever. I want to nap forever. I think that I think that dragons 100 percent. Are aliens. Okay. I think that... 100%? Damn. 100%. I have no doubt. The truth is out there that we historically have always associated them, like, things in the sky, things breathing fire with dragons. And I think that those were UFOs. Like, I just... I believe it. Yeah. I, I I think that... There are also outliers where people, like you said, would, well, would find dinosaur bones, whale skeletons, yeah. yeah, dinosaur bones, and they'd be like, "Blah, that's also a dragon." But I think when you're looking at the whole mythology of like seeing one fly over and breathe fire and blah blah blah, like that's definitely a UFO. Yeah, I could see that. I could see that. Dinosaurs. <laughs> Dinosaurs. That's the '90s cartoon we wanted but never got. Dino <laughs> DNA. Come here, Mo. Okay. Oh, okay. Now you're going to run for me. Okay. Bye, Mo. <laughs> Bye, Mo. No. Mo's like, I'm a dragon. <laughs> oh, cat dragon. It, yeah. Uh, Dawn Seeker, there was, it says there was a study, I think, that showed we still have a genetic fear of flying predators. When our ancestors were much smaller and large eagles could easily carry them off. Oh, for sure. I mean, eagles are definitely, 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 like, related to the whole dragon situation i mean if you look at like harpy eagles like they look like dragons like they're gigantic oh harpy eagles are so they're cute. so cute but they're so big like they could care they could so like big. carry someone off for Ooh. sure hi mojo what are you doing what are you doing <laughs> she just wants to be a friend come here come here oh there she is all right no okay there you go, Mo. Scratches. Uh, pets, pets are precious. Yeah, that's my other quarantine crisis is my animals are trying to just, like, give me a heart attack. No. But that's fine. <sighs> They'll be okay. Okay. I mean, Mojo's been, like, licking the fur off of her chest and throwing up every night. So I don't know why she's Mo. doing <laughs> And I think it's just anxiety or, like, I don't know, I've switched her food. And, like, she, there's nothing wrong with her. She went to the vet only, like, like, four months ago or three months ago and she was fine. She just she's just very anxious like she knows there's stuff going on she's just on. very anxious i think she's just like like I'm so happy i've been home for so long she doesn't want me to leave again so she's just gotten her to be anxious again and then lick the hair off her nipples i'm like oh god damn it <laughs> <laughs> i know she just loves you so much i know she's yeah she's always had stress problems like forever so i might look into getting her cat prozac but anyway oh that would help yeah. mo you need some prozac mo Mo! It's okay, Mo. (laughs) Well, are we ready for some fact or fiction? I'm ready. Okay. It's time for fact or fiction. We will be reading chilling tales submitted from the community and guessing, are these fact, 
fiction, or somewhere in between. Use your best spooky scout skills to determine the truth. Do you have a scary story to tell? You can submit them to us at SpookySaturdayStories at gmail.com to have them read on the show. Just make sure to include if they are fact or fiction and your name. So if you if you have never done so before, definitely send us some stories to SpookySaturdayStories at gmail.com. You can write a true scary story or you can make up one that sounds true or doesn't even remotely sound true. That's fine. Yeah, too. you can also write then, about Kayla and I <laughs> making s'mores or whatever. <laughs> yes, that was very sweet. That I loved it. Sweet. So yeah, just write and we'll have a fun time guessing yes. if it's fact or fiction. Yes, yes. So I'm going to start with this uh, long one. There's a lengthy one that I didn't read last time because we had quite a few, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this one. Okay. So it, it is a little longer, but I find that exciting. I think it'll be really good. So this one comes from Hike Rex. Okay. So let me know when you're ready and I will start. Okay. I'm ready. Ready? Go. Okay. Spooky Scouts. Hopefully, this story is less squeamy and more spooky. Ghost runners are reported infrequently and quietly. They are not uncommon in the southwest areas of North America, but they are hard to miss when they're coming at you. In 2013, I was working in the Grand Canyon, testing out my ultra running abilities on a long 20-mile run to Red Butt. Ugh, ugh, running. Ugh. Mm -mm. I made sure to have plenty of time to return. This meant sleeping the hot midday away and going for a night run. The run to Red Butt was... Is it butt or boot? Red Butte? When it's, when it's B-U-T-T-E... Can I keep calling it butt? Is that right? <laughs> I'm going to call it butt. Uh, was nice, except for some large blisters developing on the balls of my feet. I hobbled the last mile up the sandy hillside of Red Butt, <laughs> where I <laughs> enjoyed the 360-degree sunset views. Before heading back, I treated my feet. They were worse than I had thought. Another 20-mile return trip would almost certainly end with my feet falling off. Looking at my options, I found some back roads that would shorten my return trip from 20 miles to 18 miles. These roads were, were county-maintained dirt roads. They were quiet and offered a peaceful view of wide-open pronghorn land. Starting my return trip with high spirits, I soon slowed to a walk. Being miserable, I hoped that if a car come came down this back road, they'd give me a ride back. Luckily, someone stops. A man with an easy smile and a clear Hopi ancestry offers me a ride back to Tusayan. Tusayan? Tusayan? Though home is still seven miles away from Tusayan, I could at least eat and drink and recover there before returning to my feet. That and beggars can't be choosers. The Hopi man is welcoming and we start up a little chat. I had picked up some spat spattering of culture from the people and community I was working within. Hopi have a ritual custom for men to run up a hill bearing water for the village. This synopsis didn't do the custom justice, but it's a big deal for their sense of community, and so Hopi generally respect runners for staying in shape or something. Some Hopi have actually thanked me for going running, as though I were doing a service for them. Instead of respect, this man's responses had a gruff edge which said without speaking that I should not have been running where I was, or in the way that I was. Whatever the case... Our chat gets stopped short when all of a sudden he stiffens, locks his eyes on the road in front of him, and speeds up. I look behind, and there is a naked and barefoot man running up the road and gaining on uh. us. <laughs> the car was traveling between 30 and 40 miles per hour, now speeding up to nearly 60 miles per hour, and dodging around tight corners on a narrow road. 
The Hopi man was clearly perturbed and would not speak other than to whisper yes or no and would not look anywhere except for the road in front. This runner may have come from either across the open brushy pronghorn prairie or caught up to the vehicle from behind. The car was kicking up dust and pebbles in its wake, which shortly obscured the runner from view. The driver was on edge and, having no other traffic to worry about, drove through stop signs and then circled the bar clockwise a couple of times before dropping me off in front. I watched as though he were trying hard to fully stop the vehicle and yet also keep going somehow. Stepping out of the car onto the pavement, still warm from the sun, I was surrounded by the occasional traffic of the small tourist town of Tucson. What we had seen 20 minutes ago now seemed like a trick of the mind. I was unsure if he had played a trick on me to shut me up or if I had just imagined it. Happy to be away from an awkward situation, I go get some food and relaxation. Only one bar is still open and I'm lucky they are still serving food. Like most shops in this small tourist town, it has a gift shop corner. While waiting for my order, I look at a book about myths of the area. The book tells overly kitschy stories of the quote-unquote red ghost camel and of quote-unquote skinwalkers. I was unsettled by the latter. A story about a woman in the late 1960s who had nearly run over a naked man who had passed her vehicle and then stood in front of it as if to stop her. Making note of the folktale but trying not to think too hard, I pay for my meal and prepare to run the last seven miles back home. From the story in the book and what I had just experienced, these skinwalkers appear to be a once-in-a-decade rare appearance, only making themselves seen when a person has earned their ill will. There was no reason for anything to bear ill will towards me, a traveler through distant lands, right? While their capabilities were clearly something other than human, to feel threatened for the short seven-mile return trip would have felt like a stupid superstition. Besides, whatever happened back there couldn't have been real, right? The trail home parallels the entrance road to the Grand Canyon. It is quiet nights that are mostly dangerous for getting run over, so I am glad to be off the main road. The gravel path through the trees was quiet and peaceful. Returning home bone-weary after a 27-mile day, I searched the internet for naked ghost runners, but Google (laughs) was unable to return any results like what the book mentioned. The following day, I talked to some Hopi peoples who worked the gift shops near me. When I told them what I saw, they became very reserved. I was instructed that it is not good to talk about them openly, and since I may have encountered one the other day, it is even more important to follow tradition in this matter. Doing some more digging online, I found unconnected stories from Navajo tradition of witches referred to as skinwalkers that can change shape or perhaps call upon the strength of certain animals. They are said to have made some kind of serious or irreversible deal with demons. In hindsight, the eyes of the naked runner were strange, both luminescent and lacking in some quality. When confronted, the Navajo people state that they will not talk about skinwalkers. They claim that they want to preserve their culture from outside interference and analysis. I understand that American Indian cultures have suffered much mistreatment and misunderstandings in the past, so I try to give them some space. They wish to preserve the mystery and integrity of one of their most valuable possessions, their ancestral culture. Not finding any kind of conclusive information, I put the information in the back of my head. The next week, I find the man who had picked me up. He seemed fine, wearing a familiar easy smile, the same as when he picked me up before. Taking him aside and trying to be discreet, I get him to acknowledge that we saw a skinwalker earlier that week, but he would not say much else except for that I should do my best not to run to the point of such a weakened state, or better yet, not to run in that area at all. He didn't say more than that. 
Mm. He was pretty clear that there was more that was not being said, but it was unclear whether he guessed at some spiritual meanings or whether he could not guess at a meaning for our encounter. Whenever I go running in rare slash spooky country, I avoid roads and cars as much as possible. I am much more comfortable interpreting the natural factors that influence the nature of a trail than I am interpreting what constructs influenced the nature of a road before my passage. If anything, I feel that skinwalkers almost mock vehicles for some reason, and, like the Hopi, almost respect runners. Whoa. So is this fact or fiction? That was great. I liked it. I liked I liked how it went into so much depth. It seems like it would actually be on fact or fiction. Right? Oh my god, it totally like does. Someone, someone picks you up and is like, hey, what are you doing? I feel like, um, yeah, and then they'd be like, a similar event did occur. <laughs> a skinwalk that's a spooky legend the like skinwalker mm-hmm. legend is really spooky yeah it was very detailed but um i don't know i think the ma- the biggest fiction is how you could run 25 miles in a day i don't understand <laughs> <laughs> that sounds hard so what do you what do you think i don't know i like i think i'm just gonna say i'm gonna say that there's probably there's some fact in there about the legends and about the, the, the cultural, like, uh, historical information. But I'm going to say that the story is fiction. It's, uh, I'm going to say the story itself is fiction. Well, that's absolutely correct. <laughs> <laughs> so Hike Rex clarifies that the, f- the fiction part is the Hopi driver and the skinwalker, and the fact part is, the ex- is their experiences with the Hopi and Navajo cultures. Oh, that's so nice. you got it exactly right. Yeah, that's nice, though. That's really cool. I've always wanted to go to that part of the U.S. and, like, see, like, actual, like, indigenous areas. That would be nice. Yeah. That's pretty yeah. cool. I don't want to ever run. No, I don't, don't want to run. <laughs> but that was a great story. And it gave us some, like, interesting cultural tidbits and backgrounds, which makes it also really interesting. But, yeah, wow. That's, I don't like, the Skinwalker is really scary. Like, if you look that up, that's, like, a really scary. And also the scariest thing is there's, like, legends about it for a very long time, almost like dragons or, like, all the other things we've talked about, which is even more upsetting. Mm -hmm. Ooh, maybe we should talk about that next. Oh, yeah. Because I don't know much about it. Yeah, there's some really, really creepy, like, North American legends. Like, there's some really intense ones. But they're good. Like they're they're spooky, but they're good. Um, but yeah, that was great. Are we ready for our next story? Yes, I sent it to you. There was no sign off on this one, so I uh, will just call it anonymous. But if you're in the chat, feel free to let us know if it was you. Okay, hi Mojo. <laughs> Mojo just keeps no. coming back. She's like, "What are you doing?" Okay. Yeah, I hear Paco. I know. Too. It's just it's beep, constant beep, beep. animals. Okay, hold on. <laughs> All right. Hi, Mo. Okay, we got a whole story right now. All right. When I was a teenager, I lived on the outskirts of town on some property my grandpa had purchased a while back. Our backyard was a large and spacious area that we never could fill up, even if we tried. Just beyond the fence was a small patch of woodland that me and my brother would sometimes hike around in, as rural teens do, I suppose. In late February, I was keeping an eye on our dog while he was outside, turning my back for only a second before I heard him barking aggressively at something. When I went to the door, he was staring at the woods, tail up and hair on end. I couldn't see anything that would have caught his attention, so I figured it was just a squirrel or something. Around two months later, I was cleaning up after a small storm when I heard what sounded like laughing coming from the woods. 
I saw a little girl, like eight or so, standing standing there in the woods. The only thing I really remember is the mask she was wearing. It was this weird, almost cartoonish-looking tiger mask. She stood there staring at me until I started coming closer, at which she ran away deeper into the trees. Like I said, we're on the outskirts of town and don't have any neighbors for at least a mile, and none of our neighbors have a daughter. A few weeks before I graduated high school, I was out on a walk to de-stress after all the finals and rehearsals. The sun was starting to go down as I neared our house, and I saw movement in the woods again. As I got closer, I saw them, a bunch of kids playing around the woods, seemingly no care in the world, no adults in sight. This had me concerned, so I began walking closer, hoping to find where these kids came from. The closer I got, I began to realize they were moving very fast, fast enough to be blurry. When I got to the tree line, they all stopped. All of them were wearing those strange animal masks. I heard a little girl's laughter right behind me, and I turned around with my heart about an inch from my chest. Nothing was there, nothing except a tiger mask. I picked it up, as I, and as I turned back around, saw the other children had vanished, too. Ooh, spooky. No. Spooky! Why are kids, don't why like are kids so spooky? Children are so spooky! <laughs> Everyone's like, no! Ugh! No, that was, that was very spooky. I like that a lot, that idea of, like, seeing, like... Creepy kids in the woods with masks. Ugh. Do not so you like don't have a sign off, so we don't know if it's fact or fiction or Oh, I do know the answer. I'm gonna say it's fiction, only because it happening three times sounds a little sounds like I mean if you saw them like three times, like I don't know. I feel like that's seeing them a lot. Mm-hmm. It seems like chat agrees with you. There's a lot of fiction. Hi Mo. What is what does Mo think? Mo, what do you think? That's the most important thing. This is Meow. <laughs> well, you got it. It's fiction. No, it was a good story, though. It was a really good story. Our writers didn't get you this time, but they did a good job writing. I, I feel like this would be a super cool story, like if you're playing D anD D or something. It's like you see people see like a kid in the wood; they just disappear, and it happens multiple times until eventually they get like pulled into some like horrible ritual. Yeah, that'd be cool. That would be cool. Excellent story, everyone. Good, good stories. Good stories this week. I have one more if we want to wrap up with with that. Yeah, let's let's do it. Okay, this one comes from Ouroboros on Twitch. This this is the same individual that told the story about the duende on my in on their mother's town in Mexico. Oh yeah. So this next story is kind of long. They say, but and sorry for their English, but I'm sure it's great. So my girlfriend is a magnet for paranormal activities. Her name is Paulina, or Pal for short, but today I'm going to tell you about a story that I was a part of. First, Pal and I are biologists, and when we were both doing our master's, we took summer courses on different labs. She went to one of the most important research centers on ecology in Mexico. It's in the city of uh, Jalapa, on the state of Veracruz, Mexico. She was going to take a wildlife management course of six weeks, so I accompany her to look where she could stay. We were looking for something close, safe, and not that expensive. So we arrive a weekend after she started her courses. We found a nice place near one of the main avenues of the city. I had to return to Mexico City to take my flight to my course. Mine was one week less than hers. So I could stay with her the last week of her course. When I was on my way to the city, I realized that the department was pretty close to the biggest cemetery of the city, but we didn't realize and I didn't tell her, so she didn't have to worry. Past five weeks, I was back to Jalapa so we could stay together for a week, and we could go to the near tourist towns. But when I arrived, she told me she was glad that I was there. She told me that she didn't want to be another day alone there. 
I was worried, so I asked her what was going on. So her story goes like this. She told me that she was finishing a project at almost 3 a.m. when she started to feel cold and a feeling of anxiety all of a sudden. She always closes the door with a key, so she went to check if the door was closed, and it was, but she felt uneasy. So she said she said that she saw a shadow outside of the door and felt the door move like if someone or something was pushing it. She was scared. She thought that if it was one of the neighbors, a medicine student that used to have parties often, they get drunk and loud. So she took her phone, ready to call the landlord, but the shadow suddenly disappeared. She again checked that the door was closed, turned on all the lights, turned off her laptop, and went to bed with her phone near her. She knew she was not going to be able to sleep, but tried to anyway. Then she started to feel cold and anxiety again. She was laying on her side, watching the kitchen. It was a one-room apartment. And she started to feel as if something small started to climb her Ew, bed. no! She, she froze. But she told me that wasn't a fear. She froze like you do when you get sleep paralysis. Then she felt someone on her back. Someone small. And then she heard a voice of a little girl talking in her ear. She was telling Powell that she was glad she came. That she missed her a lot and she wanted to see her pretty bad. Meanwhile, my girlfriend was watching everything that was on the kitchen counter, so she knew that she was not dreaming. Things like counting the dishes, spoons, cereal, etc. The voice then started to fade. She does not remember exactly what the last thing the girl said, but was something like saying, some, like something you say to someone you know. I was not surprised this was not the first time this had happened. She has told me other times when she was a teenager that similar events happened to her. The next day, I accompanied her to the bus stop. Her classes started at 8 a.m., so I returned to the apartment to sleep a little more. While I was about to sleep, I suddenly felt paralyzed. I could hear the noise outside the window in the cars and felt something moving on the bed until I felt it on my back. Then I heard the voice of a girl telling me, Hello, who are you? Where is the other girl? Is she going to return? I started to recite a mantra in my head that an uncle taught me when I was having night terror several years ago, and I was able to get up. I opened the curtains, the door, turned on my laptop, and found the mantra on YouTube, blasted it pretty loud, and started to make my breakfast like nothing happened. I knew if I told my girlfriend what happened, she would want to move immediately, but it was only a week until her course finished, so I didn't tell her. I went to the Jalapa Cathedral to get holy water. I sprinkled it on the door and the windows and put every day my mantra and some prayers. I mean, something was bound to work, and I guess something worked because it didn't happen again. When we were in the car on the way to our hometown, I told her about my experience and she freaked out. And we both agreed that we didn't feel anger or fear from the voice. It was a kind of sadness and melancholy. And this was my story. It was something. And the first time I experienced something related to ghosts. Wait, so it's ghosts? Yeah, I guess that's what they think. They, yeah. they are supposing that it's a ghost. Chemo. Is what they're kind of saying by the end. Yeah. Ugh. 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 I don't know what. I, I mean, I feel like that a chat saying fact. Like, I feel like... Yeah, I see a lot of fact. I don't know. I don't... I... It's... I don't know. I'm, I'm torn. I, I guess... I guess I could say fact. It sounds like it, it definitely could be true. It sounds like someone having, like, a weird, creepy encounter with some kind of entity. Mm, well, you got it. This one's real. Oh, I hate that. No. That's even <laughs> worse. I don't want it to be real. Yeah, they clarified the story is real. I love my girlfriend, but yes, weird things happen to her. Nevertheless, I'll be there to support no. her. That's so that's so creepy. Ghosts, no. 
Thanks, I hate it. No. <laughs> I, I do feel like it is absolutely true that some people have a much more like in tune to the bizarre. Like some people experience way more bizarre paranormal things than others. I think that's for sure a real phenomenon. So yeah, I agree. It's not uncommon, but it's definitely spooky. It's very spooky. Thank you for such a good story. Oh, that's interesting. Oh, did you see the comment in yeah. chat from them? Yeah, they said that, that she just told me last week her great-grandmother was a shaman and a healer. That's so interesting. That's cool. If you have any more stories, please tell us more. These are really yeah. good. I love that. Yeah, I think I love I love that. It's a great it's a great um a great end cap to our episode. Other than the fact that I saw someone in chat talking about 3:33 in the morning. And you know what that means? <laughs> oh, I, we forgot to talk about that yeah. for current events cuz we were just like corona. I don't know, I'm saying. Well, I cannot stay up that late. So, no, I, can't, <laughs> I don't no. know if I'll ever see it. But if you stay up until 3:33 in the morning in Animal Crossing, New Horizons, you will see a mysterious broadcast. Is it real? Is it fact? Is it fiction? I don't know. But if you stay up until 3.33 in the morning, you'll find it. And on a yeah, TV. You gotta turn uh, on TV. If you do find it, please like record it so I can see it because I'm definitely never going to stay up that late. And I don't like to time travel, so I'm not going to do yeah, that. It happens so. at 3.33 a.m. You see a, a broadcast on the television in Animal Crossing. Are we living under overlords from outer space? I don't know. I think we are. I mean, I know we are. <laughs> I think honestly, like, the worst, like, the worst existential dread is the, like, we're living in a simulation one. I hate that one. I hate that Ooh, one. Yeah. Because that's the most mm -hmm. likely. That's the most likely because if computer technology uh, advanced as it does, as it is, then, like, the likelihood of there being more universes than our universe is way more likely than there just being one universe. And I'm like, no! <laughs> I hate it. So, Ugh. anyway, so don't time travel. Stay up until three thirty-three in the morning. We know that you're not getting up early. <laughs> we know you're all stuck inside. <laughs> so, if you can and you don't get too sleepy, cheapy, go go see what happens on the television in Animal Crossing: New Horizons. Yes, and let us know. Take a video. Let us know yeah. because I saw a video of it and it was really creepy. Yeah. Like it was like the creepy Animal Crossing voice, but. A creepy yeah, face. Yeah, well, no. Yeah, it looks like the thing that comes on the UFO. I don't want to spoil it, but it's awful. Yeah. So. Yeah. Check it out. Check it out. Fractal layers of interlinked reality. I, I hate it. Uh, I hate it so much. I, I'll send you one, Geraldo. I have an Apple TV. I think I have the Apple TV. I think that's the one I got. Like, that's the only TV I have is one that's oh, an Apple. Oh, that's the recipe. That's the only recipe I have for mm -hmm. a TV. I want a flat screen. Yeah. I know, I'm jealous. I want to experience this in 4K, <laughs> I know. please. I know. <laughs> right? I don't have that either. But anyway, uh, yeah, that's that's all we have for this week. I hope you all are doing well and staying safe and washing your hands and all that stuff. If you want to support this show, since we never plug our things, I'm going to plug it now. We have a coffee on SpookySaturdays.com. You can throw us a coffee to help us pay our lovely editor, editor uh, Celeste. Even Mojo says, meow. So if we have a little coffee, if you want to support the show, and we also have merch, and we have a few fun things. There's still pigeon pins, little UFO pigeon pins left. But uh, mm -hmm. yeah, we just do this. We love doing it for fun, and we are thankful for you watching it and enjoying our fun academic and or non-academic <laughs> adventures into the paranormal. Academic or practical, yeah. okay? I think my advice, my, my research is it very is, practical from- 
And maybe one day, you know, if we get enough coffees, uh, we could go to the Mothman convention or something like that. That's like, that's it. We 100% are doing that. 2021, when we're allowed to leave the house again, we are going to go to so many cool things. Yeah. I'm very excited. Exactly. And the, what is it? The the organ mystery, like, hole or whatever. The the mystery (laughs) hole. I don't remember what it's called. Okay, okay, Mo. Mo, I know Mo. Mo wants, Mo wants her, Mo wants her food. Hi, Mo. Okay. <laughs> Feed Mo. I know. But anyway, thank you all for watching, and we'll see you all next time on for Spooky Saturday. Who knows what we'll cover? It could be mermaids. It could be alternate dimensions. You know, just wait and see. It'll be a surprise. But make sure your yes, homework surprise. is to go watch the TV at Animal Crossing at 3.33 in the morning and report back. That's your, that is your homework, Spooky Scouts. Please do it. <laughs> <laughs> do it for yes. us. Thank you. Okay. We'll see you all next time. Okay, goodbye. Bye. Thanks for joining us for Spooky Saturday. I'm Kayla Klein, and you can find me at KaylaKlein.com or on social media as at K-A-Y-N-C-L-I. And I'm Holly Conrad, and you can find me on social media as at Holly Conrad or at Commander Holly. And you can find our clothing store at TrashCoven.com. We hope you enjoyed learning and speculating with us tonight. If you want to find out more about Spooky Saturday and becoming a Spooky Scout, you can find links to our social media, Discord, and more at SpookySaturday.com. Spooky Saturday airs live every Saturday on Twitch.tv slash Holly Conrad at 3 p.m. Pacific.